What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Tuesday edition of the Backwards Hat Podcast. All right, everyone, before we go any further, please make sure to connect with us on all of our social media. We're on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Snapchat, and WhatsApp. Like or follow us on all those platforms and send us a message on WhatsApp at 317-798-9969. Love to hear your thoughts and opinions on everything that I have to say. And now on to the show. As I said before, the episodes are going to be shorter and are going to be spending more time on each individual team. Today we have teams number three and number four in my power rankings, which for this week that would be the D.C. Defenders and the Dallas Renegades. Honestly, my biggest struggle of this week when putting together the power rankings was uh, deciding between the Wildcats and the Renegades at number four and number five. Ultimately, I chose the Renegades who you know, over the Wildcats who completely decimated the defenders from start to finish. But I will get to that decision here in just a second. First, though, let's take a deeper dive into the defenders who got absolutely pummeled by the Wildcats 39-9. I will be adventurous and say this is the shock of the season so far. I know not a lot of people were expecting the Battlehawks to be very good. Not a lot of people expected the Guardians to collapse the way they have. But I think that this win by the Wildcats, after starting off 0-2, not looking very good, you know, it's it's definitely my shock of the season. We really thought the defenders had a decent defense, but nobody really predicted that this offense would get slowed down at all, let alone just getting stomped on. I mean, and, and what I mean by that is I just didn't really think that anyone would even would really even tame them. I thought that they were going to be a 25, 30 point per game. I didn't think they'd have any games under 20 points, but they just got rocked. And what's more shocking to me is that it was against the freaking Wildcats. Like, I really don't think this team was a force to be reckoned with at all. I knew that the Wildcats offense, I knew they were going to be better with Johnson as the QB, but... I figured the only defense that would have a shot to really tame the defenders at all would have been the Battlehawks or the Guardians, you know, back when we all thought New York was somewhat of a decent team. But here are some stats offensively for the defenders just to show you how ugly this one was. Passing was just pitiful, which is completely baffling to me considering Cardell Jones was basically right there with P.J. Walker as the front runner for the MVP. Jones was 13 for 26 with 103 yards and four picks. Now, I personally, I mean, I'm sure other people saw this too. I knew that he was not immune to turnovers. I saw this at the beginning of last week. He started being a little bit more daring with the ball down the field, would just kind of throw it up to avoid sacks or not wanting to run out of bounds, and he wouldn't throw it away. He'd just kind of toss it up. This really isn't surprising because I feel like he did this a lot back at Ohio State, too, when he was the starter. He had, obviously, a great run for the title. Don't get me wrong. He was a big part of the, you know, he was a big reason why they won the title that year. But I feel like a lot of the balls that he threw were just kind of launched, and he had a really good receiver that was able to go up and make some plays. 
So sometimes you can get away with that, but if you're throwing four picks in one game against the Wildcats, probably time to reevaluate that. Jones, he was ultimately pulled in the third quarter, or after the third quarter, in favor of Tyree Jackson. Jackson only threw two passes, and the defenders essentially ran it every play in the fourth quarter. Can't really blame them. Just got to take your lumps and get out of there for that one. Obviously, I don't anticipate Jackson starting this week. It's one game, so I'm I'm going to assume Jones will be back out there for this weekend. That would be That'd be a big shock if he wasn't back out there starting. But on the ground, they actually had a really successful game rushing for over two – or no, it was actually right at 200 yards. It really isn't their strength. I mean, we all kind of expect them to push the ball downfield, but it really wasn't working out, and they just really ran it well. When you look back over the drives DC had, the Wildcats really had no answer for them on the ground. And something that's been driving me absolutely insane in pro football right now I know that there's a level where you have to mix things up and keep the defense off balance. I mean, I get it, but for goodness sake, if you're running it down their throats, just freaking ground and pound. Like, I know the game kind of got out of hand in the first half, but it wasn't so far out of the, out of hand that you have to abandon your run game. It just seems like every drive, they wanted to prove early on, okay, let's prove that we can run it. But it was like just for the sake of running it, and then they just have to go downfield and I know Cardale has a cannon, and they have some playmakers at wideout, but there's nothing more demoralizing to a defense than just getting the ball rammed down your freaking throat when you know it's coming. And I wish teams would start doing that some more. Just line up and know they might know what's coming, but you're gaining five yards anyways, and there's nothing worse than that as a defense. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, it maybe I'm old school with that, I guess, but – I just feel like if you have something that works, you have to have a balance between I know this is working and they know it's working, so I'm just going to keep doing it. You know, Instead of, oh, well, this is working really well, so let's catch them off guard here and throw a pass. Like, no, I'd run it 10 straight times if I knew I was getting seven yards of carry because they can't stop it. So that's just me, though. That's probably why I'm not a coach. But here's the silver lining for the defenders. I personally think this is a complete fluke. The Wildcats are better than they've been given credit for, but the defenders are not this bad of a ball club. I've been a part of games, honestly, in my career where we just get demolished by a team that's nowhere near our level. Like, Granted, baseball and football are much different, but I specifically remember a game that we were playing on a Tuesday evening, and it was in Chicago, and at that time, one of, if not the worst team in our conference, like easily bottom two, might have been the worst. From the opening pitch of the game, they just smoked us. And it wasn't like we were not excited for the game or anything like that. We were, you know, we were ready to go. We were on a little hot streak. We just couldn't get anyone on base. Everything they hit found a hole in our defense. We got smoked by someone not even in our league. And I I just really think this is what happened to the defenders. I don't think that this exposed them in any way. I think they just had, for lack of a better term, just a garbage game. You know, nothing was clicking. It just took a beat down. And with this league being so young, I think it's good to see some parity between what we view as the top and bottom of the league. Parity is good for any league, but we also get to see who's real and who isn't. I still think the defenders are real right now. I think the Wildcats proved to everyone that they're a real team as well. They came out and smoked, arguably, at, you know, coming into this past week, probably the best team in the league. Um, I am excited to see how the defenders respond against the Vipers, who I'm still – you call me crazy. I'm still not willing to write off the Vipers, 
But another loss, though, and it doesn't matter how much I think they're just underperforming, they're going to be out of it. And at some point, you got to step up. So we'll see. Let's move on now to the Dallas Renegades, who I have ranked fourth in the power rankings. Like I said earlier, this was the toughest spot that I had to rank because of the beatdown that the Wildcats put on the defenders. Ultimately, I chose the Renegades because I think they're going to be more consistent long-term with Landry Jones at the QB. And I really do think Cameron Artis Payne is, I want to say, a top three back in the league. I could be I could be overstating a little bit, but I, I think when he touches the ball enough, he's by far one of the best backs in the league. This past week, he had 13 carries for 80 yards, six receptions for 30 yards. This, in my opinion, is the MO for the Renegades. This team will win ball games if Artis Payne touches it 15-plus times. Honestly, I think he needs it 20-plus times every single game. It's really strange because he only touched the ball six times in week one, and Landry Jones was out. So I would have thought he would have been a bigger part of the ball team, or the ball team, the ball club. But I, I don't know if there was like an injury situation we didn't know about, or maybe I wasn't paying attention and wasn't aware of that. But last week and this week, he had 19 touches. Again, I think he needs even more if possible, but they are absolutely trending in the right direction with Artis Payne touching the ball more often. Landry Jones, although he threw for 274 yards on 30 for 41 passing, he threw two more picks on back-to-back drives in the second quarter. It's really odd to me that his his bad decisions seem to come in bunches. Like he's been really efficient when it comes to his completion percentage, like 70% last week in his first game and then this week he goes 73%. So he's completing the ball at a high level, but it is he for some reason goes through this stretch where he's just garbage and stacks up bad throws and they've, they've had enough to overcome it, but I don't think they're going to overcome that when it comes to teams like Houston. I, I, like I said, I still think the defenders are real. So I don't know. Uh, I, I think Houston's going to be more than likely turn those point, turn those uh, turnovers into 10 plus points. So I, they're not going to keep getting away with that defensively for Dallas, they had a solid game. Uh, They shut out the Dragons in the second half. It's always a testament to you playing well if you keep a team scoreless for an entire half. But I am leaning more on this one to the fact that I just don't think the Dragons are very good on offense. They do make a big play every now and then, but they're going to have to keep teams at 18 or under to have a chance, in my opinion. Maybe they'll figure something out, but it just seems like outside of a couple big plays here and there, they're just not going to score with the top team. So props to the Renegades, but I'm I'm giving this one like 60% to the fact that the Dragons suck on offense, 40% to the fact that the Renegades played well. Renegades forced four turnovers in three games now so they're definitely giving their offense more chances which is good because they're explosive on that side of the ball my biggest team or my biggest concern for this team heading forward is just the fact that they turn the ball over so much they've now turned it over seven times in three games four of those turnovers have been interceptions from Landry Jones there is really never going to be a point where it's okay for a team to have turnovers. Like you can't say, all right, three picks, let's figure it out. You know, that that hurts any team. But there are teams that are going to be more likely to get away with it than others. Like let's look at the NFL. If Tom Brady or Drew Brees turns the ball over two or three times in a game, I'm I'm confident that they're going to get over this and turn it around and they can lead their team just as if it never happened. But let's take my Colts 
and look at Jacoby Brissett. If he turns it over more than once, I can just about guarantee you that this game is screwed because he he doesn't have the temperament or demeanor to bring this team back. And so back to the XFL, I think the Roughnecks are probably a team that I would say could get away with this more than others. The Renegades, I don't believe they can continually overcome their turnover problems. Now, with that being said, they have overcome those problems two weeks in a row, so I might just be blowing smoke here. And Landry Jones, he's a well-spoken leader that accepts full responsibility for every single mistake he makes. He's not a Matt McGloin that starts trashing his players and coaches. So, you know, if they have a turnover battle like that and, you know, figure it out again, I'll have to eat my words on this one. But I just I don't think it's a obviously it's not a sustainable thing to keep throwing turnovers or you know turning the ball over on offense. I just think there are teams that are more apt to be able to get away with it than what the Renegades are. But like I said, they've proved that theory wrong two weeks in a row. So hopefully I'm not swallowing that statement here in a week or two. But overall, the Renegades really I think deserve this spot. I think they're going to continue to win ball games if Artis Payne keeps getting 15-plus touches every game. I, I just think that's the M.O. If your running back's a stud, he's got to touch the ball, and if he touches the ball 15-plus times, they are going to be a very, very hard team to stop. So, All right. I wasn't joking about the short episodes. We're only like 13 minutes in, and I'm already done for the day. So that's all I have for those two squads. I'm really enjoying this format because it forces me to key in on more than just the defenders who – I am, I am very partial to because I've been telling you all offseason that that's my team. And it's just been fun to analyze and see these teams grow or regress, <clears throat> New York Guardians, from week to week. So I will see y'all tomorrow with a deeper dive into number five and number six. We have the LA Wildcats and the Seattle Dragons. So as always, like I said earlier, follow me on all social media. Text me on WhatsApp. Leave your thoughts and opinions on the show. Thank you for listening to the Backwards Hat Podcast, and I will see you tomorrow.